and everyone. If you have your Bible with you, will you take it out, please? Make your way over into the Old Testament with me this morning to the 73rd Psalm. Will you please go in your Bible to Psalm 73? Psalm 73. If you've been keeping up with your Bible reading, which I certainly hope that you have, then by now you should have read this psalm, Psalm 73. By now you should have noticed that unlike the vast majority of the other psalms that we read, that we read so far this year, this one right here was not written by David. This one right here wasn't written by the great king of Israel and the man after God's own heart. Instead, this psalm was written by a man named Asaph. Asaph. Someone says, well, Sean, who is Asaph? Well, it's hard to pinpoint exactly who Asaph was. Scholars seem to be divided on his identity. I think we can at least be fairly certain that whoever Asaph was, he had to be someone who had a, who had a close relationship with David. He, he may have even been a musician. And David's court, I mean, he does personally contribute to at least 12 of the Psalms. In fact, in this particular Psalm, Psalm 73, he talks about a bad experience he had in his life. He, he talks about a crisis of faith. He talks about a time when he actually contemplated leaving the Lord and, and devoting himself to wicked and sinful living. Are you in Psalm 73 with me this morning? Let's read the first 14 verses, if you don't mind. In Psalm 73, verse number 1. Asaph, the psalmist, says these words, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, as for me, Asaph says, my feet came close to stumbling. My steps had almost slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant as I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no pains in their death, and their body is fat. They are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Their, their garments of violence covers them. Their eye bulges from fatness. The imaginations of their heart run riot. They mock and, and wickedly speak of oppression. They speak from on high. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue parades through the earth. Therefore his people return to this place, and waters of abundance are drunk by them. They say, how does God know? And is their knowledge with the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked, and always at ease they have increased in wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure. And wash my hands in innocence, for I have been stricken all day long and chastened every morning. I want you to ponder on those verses for just a moment or two. After we read those powerful passages in the Word of God, did you notice? Did you notice what caused Asaph to be frustrated? Did you notice what consumed his thoughts? Did you see what kept him up late at night and troubled his soul and made him wonder, what's the point? What's the point of being a servant of God? 
that you see how the main stumbling block that Asaph had in his service to God, at least at this point in his life, was his problem with the wicked. It was his problem with the unrighteous, particularly it was his problem with the reality of how the unrighteous prosper. The prosperity of the unrighteous, that is what really frustrated Asaph and almost caused him to leave the Lord. And I really want you to notice that from the text. I really want you to notice that from what he says here in this psalm, going back to the text, going back to Psalm 73, notice how in verse number one, how as Asaph begins this psalm, he begins, he begins by acknowledging the goodness of God. He acknowledges the goodness of God. He acknowledges that God is not evil and bad and wicked and like some villain you might find in a Marvel movie. Instead, God is good. God is very good, just like his creation. This is a truth or a reality that is acknowledged all throughout the Psalms. For example, in Psalm 34 and verse number 8. In Psalm 34 and verse number 8, David says, O taste, o taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. In Psalm 69 and verse number 16. The psalmist says, answer me, O Lord, for your loving kindness is good. In Psalm 86 and verse number five. In Psalm 86 and verse number five, the psalmist says, for you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in loving kindness to all who call upon you. And then we go to Psalm 106. In Psalm 106, in verse number 1, in Psalm 106, in verse 1, the psalmist says, Praise the Lord, O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his loving kindness is everlasting. Notice how over and over and over again in the Psalms, we learn that God is good. God is wonderful. God is perfect and can do no wrong. That is how Asaph, that's how he begins this psalm. That's how he begins Psalm 73. Asaph begins Psalm 73 by announcing and acknowledging the goodness of God, but that's not the only thing he announces and acknowledges in that chapter. Going back to Psalm 73, after acknowledging and announcing the goodness of God in verse number one, in verse number two, Asaph starts talking about, he starts talking about his problem with the wicked. He starts talking about how he was envious of the wicked. He says that when it comes to the wicked people in this world, for some reason, it seems like they get all the breaks. It seems like they're the ones who really prosper. They're the ones who seem to live rich and luxurious and, and peaceful lives. They're the ones who seem to have all of the advantages that this life has to offer, even though they don't serve God, even though they don't worship God, even though they don't follow the commandments of God. That's what Asaph says that he noticed about life in this world. 
That's what he says he realized when he looked at life under the sun and, and, and he didn't like that. He didn't like that at all. He didn't like the fact that he had devoted himself to, to worshiping God and serving God and pleasing God and trying to keep the commandments of God. And he experienced all kind of trials and problems and suffering in this life. But the wicked people, they prospered. The wicked people were fat and wealthy. The wicked people died peaceful deaths in their sleep. The wicked people caught most of the breaks in this life, and they seem to have life so much easier, even though in verse number six, he says that they were full of pride. Even though they wore pride as a necklace, even though they were boastful, even though they were violent and they had wicked hearts and wicked thoughts and they mocked and oppressed the poor and the less fortunate. Even though they ask questions that seem to imply that God is not real. That, that God doesn't exist. And if God does exist, what is he going to do about it? What is he going to do about our sin? What is he going to do about our behavior? How can he possibly, how can he possibly punish us? How can he possibly know and judge the wicked deeds of men. There's no way that God could possibly keep up with all that we're doing on this earth. That's the kind of stuff they said in verse 11 and 12. You see, as Asaph observed the world in which he lived, he noticed that even though the wicked were prideful and they had blasphemous thoughts in words about God, they prospered. They did extremely well. They seemed to have a lot better lives than those who served God. That greatly disturbed Asaph. In fact, that disturbed him to the point to where in verses 13 and 14 he says, Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and wash my hands in innocence, for I have been stricken all day long and chastened or punished every morning. In other words, here Asaph is saying, he's saying he was tormented. He was tormented by the fact that the wicked people, they prosper in this life. And the righteous people, they suffer. That really tormented Asaph. And let me just ask you, have you ever found yourself feeling the same way before? Like Asaph, you ever find yourself becoming frustrated? As you notice all of the good things that the wicked people have in their lives, but people like you, people who are here on a Sunday morning to worship God, people who love God, people who believe in God, people who serve God and study the Bible and pray, and you're doing your best to keep the commandments of God, you can't seem to catch a break. People like you maybe have to struggle to pay your bills every single month, but the wicked people that are in Hollywood, the wicked people in the music industry, the wicked people who've devoted themselves to immorality and violence and greed, and they openly defy God in his word. They're the ones who get to live in the big $20 million homes. 
They're the ones who get to take the nice $60,000 vacations. They're the ones who get the private jets and they get personal chefs and they get access to the best medical care and they got enough money in the bank that if they wanted to, they could retire today and live better than 99% of people in the world right now. They get to enjoy so many of the luxuries that are in this life while you're just trying to hold on to your job during a pandemic. You're struggling to pay your medical bills right now. You got a car that barely gets you to work every single day. You can barely pay your light bill each month. You can barely put enough, enough money away each month to save for your kids to one day be able to go to college. You are one broken appliance or one car repair away from having a completely depleted emergencies fund. Why is it? Why is it that the wicked get to enjoy so much prosperity in this life, but the righteous people, the righteous people have to struggle. They got to suffer. They got to struggle as they walk in this life. That's what Asaph, that's what Asaph is asking in Psalm 73. That's what Asaph wants to know in that Psalm. And let's just be honest about it. That's also what we want to know today. That's also what you want to know today, and that's also what I want to know today. In fact, that is something that I've been pondering on very deeply for the last several weeks. Like Asaph, I've also been thinking about the prosperity of the wicked and the struggles of the righteous, but I hadn't been thinking about it in terms of financial prosperity. Instead, I've been thinking about it more in terms of health and long life. I appreciate Brother Ryan for leading us in the song that we sang earlier this morning, that song, Exalted. Y'all like that song? I love that song. I love it. It's one of my favorite songs. I love it because I love the words to the song. I love the melody of the song. I love the way it sounds. I really think it does a great job exalting and praising and lifting up Jesus for the wonderful Savior that he is. I love that song. I love it because of the words. But I also love it because I'm friends with the man who wrote it. <coughs> the man who wrote that song is Matthew Basford. Matthew Basford and I have been friends for several years. We actually were trained by the same men in Beaumont, Texas. In fact, in addition to being trained by the same men, we actually were working together for about a year and a half before I was blessed to come here and work with this great church. Matthew Basford is only 42 years old. He's a great student of the Bible, one of the best students I've ever come across. He's a godly husband. And a godly father, he's helped a lot of people come to know Jesus, and yet just a few weeks ago, he received some bad news. A few weeks ago, this faithful gospel preacher, who's a godly husband and a godly father, 
he received news from his doctors that he has ALS. He has Lou Gehrig's disease. He has a disease that causes people to suffer in so many different ways. In fact, the vast majority of people who get diagnosed with this disease usually don't live very long after they're diagnosed. And don't, don't misunderstand, I'm certainly not saying that man is gonna die anytime soon. I'm praying every day that he doesn't. But it does puzzle me. It does puzzle me how a man of God like him, a man who's devoted himself to preaching the gospel, gets diagnosed with ALS at 42 years old, but somebody like Hugh Hefner, the man who starts Playboy magazine, he gets to live a pretty healthy life all the way till he's about 91. A man like Robert Mugabe, the evil dictator of Zimbabwe, a man who oppressed his own people, a very immoral man, he gets to live a pretty healthy life all the way till he's about 95. How in the world does stuff like that happen? Why in the world does stuff like that happen? Why in the world do righteous people, people who devote themselves to learning about God and helping other people learn about God, have to suffer terribly in this life, but the wicked people, they get to prosper. They get to prosper financially. They get to prosper in their health. They get to prosper in so many different aspects of this life. That is what Asaph wants to know. That is what almost caused Asaph to stumble and leave the Lord. That is something that became a huge stumbling block in his faith. Asaph almost left the Lord over this, over this great question, but thankfully, he doesn't leave the Lord. Thankfully, he doesn't abandon his faith in God. Thankfully, he does in time discover something. Very, very important. And so go back to the psalm again. Go back to Psalm 73. Let's pick up with the reading with verse number 15. In Psalm 73 and verse number 15, he says, If I had said I will speak thus, behold, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. When I pondered to understand this, it was troublesome in my sight until I came. Notice this. Until I came into the sanctuary of God. Then, he says, I perceive their end. Surely you have set them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. How they are destroyed in a moment. They are utterly swept away by sudden terrors. Like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, when aroused, you, despise, you will despise their form. Where my heart was embittered and I was pierced within, then I was senseless and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You have taken hold of my right hand. I want you to notice a couple of very important things from that text we just read. First, I want you to notice how while Asaph was frustrated, while he was frustrated when he observed the prosperity of the wicked in this life, when he went to the sanctuary of God, when he went to the house of God, when he went to the place where God is worship, then he was able to see life from the right perspective. Then he was able to see the truth. Then he was able to understand and realize the true end for the wicked. 
then he was able to realize that while the wicked do have some prosperity in this life, in the end, guess what? They're going to suffer. In the end, they're going to be destroyed. In the end, they're going to be swept away by the judgment of God. That is what Asaph realized when he went to the sanctuary or the place where God is to be worshipped. And that is something I believe we really need to appreciate. That is something that I believe we really need to appreciate even on this morning as we are gathered together as a body of believers. You see, why our time together in this place gives us an opportunity to encourage each other and worship God and praise Jesus and study our Bibles and sing praises to God while we get to do all that stuff during a time like this. Another benefit we get during this time is we are forced to think about the things that really matter in life. We are forced during this time to think about spiritual things. We are forced to think about God and his son, Jesus Christ, in eternity and how we need to be preparing ourselves for eternity. You see, like with what happened with Asaph, when we come together as a temple of God to worship God, we put ourselves in a great position to help keep our heads on straight. We put ourselves in a great position to help see life from the right perspective. We put ourselves in a great position to remind ourselves and never forget that the momentary pleasures of this world, they're just that, they're momentary. They're very momentary. While there's nothing wrong and sinful and wicked about having nice things, while there's nothing wrong with having riches in this world, when we come together like this, we're able to realize that none of that stuff, none of that stuff is going to provide us with spiritual security. None of that stuff is going to be able to provide us with spiritual stability. I think that's what he's saying back in verse 18. In verse 18, he says, Surely you set them, talking about the wicked, in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. Notice how Asaph says that while the wicked do enjoy some blessings and prosperity in this life, in the eyes of God, because they're wicked, they're on, they're on slippery places. They don't have a firm foundation. They are not as secure and at, and at peace as they, as they believe they are. You see, as enjoyable as their physical prosperity may be to them in this life, when they die, none of that stuff's going to do them any good when they have to appear before the Lord in judgment. Jesus actually teaches this principle throughout his ministry, doesn't he? I'm reminded of a couple of places in Luke chapter 12. Remember the parable of the rich fool? Remember, Jesus talks about this man who was a very successful farmer. He had a lot of goods, a lot of crops. In fact, in Luke chapter 12, and verse number 19, there came a time in his life when he says in Luke 12 and verse 19, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink and be merry. This man is ready to, to retire and kick back and take it easy and enjoy his physical prosperity. But verse 20 says, God said to him, you fool. 
This very night, your soul is required of you. And now who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who stores up treasure for himself. And he is not. He's not rich toward God. Notice how even though this man was rich in the eyes of the world, even though he had a lot of physical prosperity in the eyes of God, he was spiritually bankrupt. In the eyes of God, he was spiritually poor because he wasn't prepared to die and meet the Lord. Now, you put that with what Jesus also taught us in the great sermon on the mount in Matthew chapter six. Do you remember Matthew six and verse 19? Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 6 and verse 19? Do, do not store for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What is Jesus saying there? Is Jesus saying that it's wrong to have physical prosperity in this life? Of course not. Of course not. That's not what the Lord is teaching there. The Lord is not saying it's wrong to have physical prosperity. Instead, the Lord is saying, do not get too wrapped up in your physical prosperity. Do not get too wrapped up in this world. Do not get too wrapped up in the pleasures and riches of this world. Understand that all those earthly pleasures and all those earthly riches, they are fleeting. They are fading away. They are passing away. None of those things are capable, truly capable of giving you the kind of spiritual security and peace you need in your life. It doesn't matter if we're talking about a nice, expensive house or a new, expensive car or a bunch of great valued stocks or expensive jewelry or nice, expensive clothes. Or even if we just decide to store up a bunch of money in our bank account again, while there's nothing wrong and sinful and wicked about having those kinds of things. And I really want to emphasize that. Jesus still says that there's no real security in any of that stuff. Jesus says that none of it's going to do me or you any good when we get to eternity. He says that none of it leads to true wealth in the eyes of God. Understanding that helped Asaph strip himself. Of being envious of the wicked. In fact, instead of being envious of the wicked, when Asaph went to the sanctuary of God, he realized that it is far better. It is far better to be a faithful servant of God. It is far better to be a faithful servant of God than to enjoy all the riches and pleasures of this life. When you go back to Psalm 73 one more time, let's finish that text, please. Psalm 73, we pick up with verse number 24. In verse 24, as Asaph gets to the conclusion of his journey, he says, with your counsel, you will guide me. And afterward, afterward, you will receive me where? To glory. Whom have I have in heaven but you? And besides you, I, des I desire nothing on earth. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you will perish. You have destroyed all those who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. 
I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. Notice how after spending some time envious of the prosperity of the wicked, Asaph finally saw the true value in being a faithful servant of God. He finally saw that those who serve the Lord are much better off than the wicked who may prosper in this life because unlike the wicked who may prosper in this life, those who serve the Lord faithfully, they're not going to be destroyed by the Lord. They're not going to be on the receiving end of the Lord's judgment. They're not going to spiritually perish. They're not going to experience eternal punishment. Instead of experience, experiencing eternal punishment. Asaph says he realized that when it comes to the righteous, they're going to get to eternally experience God's goodness. They're going to get to eternally experience God's refuge. They're going to get to eternally experience God's peace and security and presence in heaven. That is the key thing, brothers and sisters, that ultimately separates the righteous from the wicked. That is the key blessing that the righteous have, that the wicked don't. That is what Asaph came to understand. And that is what my friend Matthew Basford has told me that he understands as he battles with ALS. And that's something that God wants us all to understand. As we live in a world where the wicked, where the wicked prosper. You see, from this psalm, we learn that no matter what blessings the wicked people around us may be experiencing in this life, only the people of God get to experience the blessings to come. Only the people of God get to receive glory after this life. Only the people of God are on the path. It leads to true, eternal riches in heaven. The question is, are you on that path right now? Are you in that group of people right now, right now in your life? Are you in the group of righteous people who are on the path to receive eternal glory and refuge with God? If not, then it's time right here, right now to get on that path. It's time to acknowledge your situation and realize that this world and everything in it is only temporary. One day you're going to die. One day all this is going to be destroyed. And you need to make sure you're right with God when you get to eat because you're going to meet him in eternity. And so if there's someone here this morning who needs to obey the gospel, maybe for the first time through faith and repentance and baptism, or if there's a child of God here who needs to come back to the Lord and find refuge in him because you strayed away, whatever spiritual needs you may have this morning, We'd be more than happy to help you with that right here, right now. Let's stand. Let's sing together.